Hello, it is Wednesday, September 23rd. We can't thank you enough for choosing to listen to the show. I think you're going to say, hey, you know what? Good show today. Now, granted, yesterday's show was, um, you know, quoted in like 45 different magazines all over the globe. And I don't know if today is going to have the same effect, but I think the conversation today, you'll be like, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, wow, that's awesome. Or at hated the show. Whatever it is, if you enjoy the show, please tell a friend. If you hate it, just act like it never, ever, ever happened. Uh, Today's show, we want to talk to you all about convenience. Convenience is the way life operates. And there's nothing more convenient in the alcohol world than Cutwater Spirits, who bring real alcohol drinks into incredible canned cocktails. Yes, their award-winning canned cocktails are things that we've been dreaming about and talking about here at this office. They're not these weird seltzers you see everywhere right now where you don't know if you're drinking rubbing alcohol or not. Oh, no. This is actual vodka sodas, actual gin and tonics, actual Long Island iced teas, and they even have Bloody Marys. Uh, The boys and I had Bloody Marys the day after my wedding because we're all kind of in a bad spot and Connor introduced it to us and we're like, wow, is this a real Bloody Mary? It is. And it comes in a can. Don't need a bartender or don't need somebody who's been a mixologist in their past life there for you. They take care of the recipe. They take care of the drink. They take care of the taste for you. And that's why Cutwater Spirits are friends of this show. It's actually how they became our sponsor, to be honest with you. No joke. Once I had them, I was hooked. So were the boys. It was the most clutch drink we have ever had. Real alcohol, real convenience. Go grab some Cutwater today. Find Cutwater Spirits near you at Drizzly, D-R-I-Z-L-Y. They'll let you know where you can buy the award-winning cocktails that have helped our office through this incredible quarantine where you can't go into public and you can't find a bartender. All right, let's get to the show. Uh... Normally, super positive, upbeat show, okay? That's kind of what our show is. And I'm not saying we won't be that for the entire show, but there's something very serious that just got broken by the Adam Schefter that just happened in the NFL. And I do believe, since I have a little bit of knowledge on the subject and friends that have had the same exact procedure as said player that got injured by said doctor, I would like to speak on it and expound on it a little bit because it does sound absolutely crazy. Let's dive into it. Adam Schefter just reported that Tyrod Taylor. The reason why he did not get to play this past weekend and in turn, Air Bear started for the first time against the Kansas City Chiefs that ended with Butker hitting a 58-yard field goal, then another 58-yard field goal, but a highly contested matchup between the Chargers and the Chiefs. It is now being reported that the Chargers team doctor accidentally punctured his own quarterback, Tyrod Taylor's lung, just before kickoff Sunday while trying to administer a pain-killing injection to the quarterback's cracked ribs. League and team sources have told ES ESPN, according to my sources, (laughs) Adam Schefter says. Now, this sounds terrible whenever you give your first read at this. It's like, especially the way Schefter worded it there. The Chargers team doctor punctured his own quarterback's lungs. And that sounds absolutely bad. And I was kind of mind blown by this. And believe it or not, we were given a heads up on this yesterday, Mm -hmm. but we're not a big news breaking world. I don't want to dive into the news breaking world because there's a bunch of piranhas and sharks in there. Mm -hmm. Don't want to ever dive in there. So I asked around to a couple uh, former teammates and friends of mine that have maybe gotten the same procedure and asked, how the hell can something like this happen? This sounds terrible. And the answer I got from everybody who has had this procedure done, which by the way is Marcane, which is in the Novocaine. There's another cane, then the Marcane, which is a 
numbing agent, basically, that gets shot directly into the area that is injured. For instance, in this particular case, the cracked ribs. Now, the reason why it's done so close to game time is because it only lasts four, four and a half hours. So they can't get it done in the morning because the numbness will wear off. They can't get it done uh, the night before because the numbness will wear off. They have to do it right before the game, which is why it was a surprise to everybody that Air Bear was starting over Tyrod Taylor, including Air Bear and I would assume the entire Chargers offense. Now, what happens though? Just like whenever you're in surgery, now granted this happened to the people I talked to, I'm not 100% sure it happened to Tyrod Taylor, but just like whenever you go in for surgery for anything, they tell you the possible side effects. Like, hey, this could potentially happen because of this surgery, this could potentially happen. It's like basically the small print at the bottom of contracts. Like, hey, the, this is all the good that can come from this, but also this can happen. Every person that I talked to that got a similar treatment as this said that they were told by the doctor that there was a chance that the lung could get punctured in the process because when you're giving a shot into the ribs, the lung obviously is right there. I'm not 100% sure if Tyrod Taylor was told that before he got the shot. I'm just telling you what I was told by people who got very the exact same situation here for either bruised ribs or cracked ribs. Allegedly, this is a much more common practice than even I knew about. I've probably seen guys potentially get this shot before and didn't even know this was happening because it had nothing to do with me, but I guess this is a pretty common practice whenever you have a cracked rib or a bruised rib because it works like a charm, I was told. And I was also told that they shoot it a little bit above wherever the crack or the bruise is, and it lets it just settle in, and for four and a half, five hours, you feel amazing. It's that next day you see, or that night when it wears off, that you feel absolutely terrible. Thus why I am incredibly happy that I played a position where no motherfuckers were hitting me anywhere <laughs> where I could potentially need that. So that is what happened. We obviously tease and pees for the punctured lung and the cracked ribs for Tyrod Taylor but from my knowledge of my research calling people that got a similar thing they said that they were told that was a possible outcome it's like 0.1% that it could happen but just like in surgery just like anything in the medical field there is obviously a chance that something bad could go happen it happened to Tyrod Taylor I'm not giving an excuse for the doctor hey do your fucking job right especially whenever the people that told me they said it's like a 99% chance it goes well and nothing happens so if you fall in that 1% and it's a failure Obviously, the doctor did not do great here, and I would assume would have to answer for that, but that is what I've been told about this entire process. That is why it was such a shock to everybody, including Air Bear, who said he was surprised, and they just said, let's go and do this. So I think... That is why everything happened the way it is. I've been told, and I'm not a doctor, they are not doctors, but a punctured lung unpunctures itself somehow. I don't, wow. I don't know what that human means. Body. I guess it just, un shout out to the human body <laughs> for just unpuncturing itself. He could play week to week is real. He could potentially play next week. What do you say, Dave? Breaking news just from Ian Rapport. He is not going to play this week. Herbert is going to get the start. Okay, Ooh. so there we go. There's breaking news. Not playing this week, so his lung isn't completely un unpunctured. And also, uh, I think... That is why, because the way it went down and him losing the starting job was actually the Chargers' fault. That is why Anthony Lynn came out and said, unless uh, Tyrod isn't 100%, he's still our starter. Because I would assume Anthony Lynn, former player, was like, we kind of fucked this guy here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So whenever he was asked about who's the starter, even after the incredible debut by Air Bear in the game that they had against the Super Bowl champs, Anthony Lynn probably was like, I mean, we... He yeah. couldn't say it, obviously, because mm -hmm. they weren't 100% sure because at the time they were probably still reviewing and Anthony Lynn probably didn't get a chance to do a full checkup on how his whatever the case, or maybe he did know, and he didn't want to be like, yeah, Tyrod Taylor's out. By the way, uh, yeah, we, we're the reason he's out, and he is out. We made this as easy as possible. Like, <laughs> Anthony Lynn couldn't say that, so that's why... 
I think I was confused by the way Anthony Lynn handled the question. I think a lot of people are potentially confused. But now we know Air Bear starting this weekend. Tyrod Taylor not only has cracked ribs, but also a punctured lung. Hopefully that unpunctures quickly. We're not doctors. We have no idea. But it is nice to know that this type of thing does happen and has happened in the past. We probably just haven't heard about it for whatever reason. And this is something that happens on a regular basis with success. So it's not like they were going above and beyond to make him put him on the field this is something that has happened in the past all the boys are here at tone Diggs, boston connor ty schmidt at viva lazito has a poll up right now oh, yeah. it does not involve punctured lungs but we'll get to that in a second yep. Diggs, the thought of as a just fan casual fan and you read that tweet uh-huh. your immediate thought is my immediate thought is well one Shout out Tyrod and quarterbacks and NFL players for playing with cracked lungs. Yes. Cracked crack ribs. ribs. Sorry. And by the way, just going in there and being like, yeah, go ahead and give me a shot. I'll go out there and stand in the pocket and just get crushed yet again. This is going to suck. I probably won't be able to breathe or sleep tonight, but at least I'll be able to play four quarters of NFL football. Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Number two, <laughs> I think the team doctor was probably watching practice and saw that Air Bear was a little bit better. Oh, so wait decided a minute. To oh, oh, Tony. That's the Italian in him. That's our entire, <laughs> that's our entire take is like the doctor. <laughs> That, that, that was the doctor definitely well, messed the doctor up here. Potentially had the Chargers plus eight. Oh, right. Yeah, what did Easy you go town. Uh, at Boston Connor? Um, how do you feel about the entire process here? Whenever you think about a doctor messing up, because I think the immediate outrage was, why are the Chargers such a dump of a franchise? And that's your doctor. They're always hurt. Mm-hmm. Well, they're always hurt. And also, you just moved from San Diego to Los Angeles. You couldn't fill up. And there's a lot of things that make you think like, oh, the Chargers are just a, a poorly run organization. And we don't hear about this type of story in the world that we're in it very much. And I think that is a very fair reaction. Yeah. But that's why I called, by the way, because we, I mean, once again, I have to reiterate, we had this 20, 27 we hours did. before oh, yeah. Adam oh, Schefter. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, I have a lot of respect. According to my sources, mm-hmm. I have a lot of respect for him. Rappaport, who dunked on uh, Connor. He's uh, yeah. Tom Pelissaro, who dunked on. Yep. These insiders. Bold, yeah. It's not our job. Okay. We're not no. diving into that. But I did want to find out because I had the reaction of like, well, every doctor experience I had with Colts was a good one. So whenever people were like, oh, NFL doctors are, are thinking only for the team and they're forcing guys back, I'm like, I did not have that experience at all. Like, I, I did not have that experience at all. But then you hear stories like this and people are like, well, here we go, here we go again. And I just had to make the call. It was like, is this bullshit or what is this? And I was told, hey, this is something that does happen. Yeah. And there is a chance this can happen every single time it happens. If there's one thing we've learned from 2020 is that doctors, one, they screw up. And two, they can know nothing. <laughs> what are you? Uh, what are uh, I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, but after Herbert took the Chiefs overtime, and now if he wins in this week three, it sucks for Tyrod. There's no it chance Tyrod Taylor starts again. Because right? who knows how Tyrod does in that game against Chiefs? What if Tyrod goes out there and does exactly what Air Bear did? Might win. What if Tyrod has the best game he's ever had against Super Bowl champs? And they're like, okay, here we go. We got a great mentor, which we all knew for Justin Herbert. Just go ahead and sit back and watch this guy that just beat the Super Bowl champs. And now we're at a different spot. Now we're like, did you see? Herbert out there? He ran over a guy. Knocked a guy out. Knocked a guy out on it. I mean, there was a whole conversation about that. And it's all because of a very low percentage outcome happening moments before the game time. And that is insane to think about. I didn't know that happened. Obviously, by the way, I would assume Andrew Luck got this done numerous times because yeah. I think that guy's ribs look like a, uh, a, uh, a, a cobblestone road. Oh, I think it was like a cobblestone road at, at one point for how many times he got killed. That guy, I mean, he got. I would assume it happened to him. There was uh, uh, other people on our team that I was told have done it before. Yeah. This has happened before. I'm just like... Phew. 
I'm happy I never had to have that done. And also, I'm happy nobody just got canceled moments before the it's game. A wild world you guys all, live in. All the people that I, I was told to get this done, I was like, imagine if we lose that guy 20 minutes before the game. I mean, that is catastrophic almost. Chargers did that. And by the way, shout out to Anthony Lynn. Shout out to that coaching staff. Shout out to Herbert. Yeah. They put the Super Bowl champs yeah. on the ropes. Now, granted, mm-hmm. Super Bowl champs had a lot of drops and things like that that don't normally happen, but still, put them on the ropes when you find out you're starting QB, QB1, who's probably got all the reps all week, get just at the last mm-hmm. second out of nowhere, mm-hmm. and then boom, you get a guy, you put up a good fight. What up, Ty? Do you think there will be any repercussions for this doctor? Because, like, I mean, like you said, you don't ever really hear about this, and can you imagine what it would have been like if this would have been like a playoff game, like the first round of the playoffs, and he needs this, and it's like, oh, guess what? Your starting quarterback can't play anymore because I fucked up his injection. Well, and by the way, we already live in that world with COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Anthony Lynn's probably like, listen, we're already fighting a worldwide pandemic. I don't need you shoving needles into people's lungs. Mm-hmm. But I guess you don't really know. I, I'm not. Can't tell. Because when I first saw this, I the what I thought of was like, oh, this is like uh, if you like go get blood taken and the nurse, it takes her like four different yeah. times to like get the oh, needle in to draw the blood. Thing. Yeah. And you would hope, by the way, that the NFL doctors, oh, here's a fun, and I don't want to bury NFL doctors at all. But, but, NFL doctors are normally like the highest certified doctors yes. in the area. Mm-hmm. You know the last time they tried to draw blood or anything like that? that that's uh, that's nurses, long time that's, ago. That, that's other yeah. up-and-coming doctors. Oh, so it's very interesting kind of because there will be like a new doctor that will come in because maybe a doctor was sick and he's a high-up doctor in Indianapolis. And then he's got to... In, he's got to do the uh, IV or whatever to get it in there. The last time that guy did that, potentially, is 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. So you got one of my team. Oh, I don't forget it. I'm not going to say his name, and I'm not going to say the doctor's name. It was not one of our Colts doctors. It was another doctor that was subbed in because one of the doctors was out there. And halftime, he's trying to get an IV or whatever. And this guy is literally playing like whack-a-mole with his arm. It's like commercial yeah. with the doctor. Just like boom, boom, boom. And he's like, it, it wasn't. He's a doctor, so yeah. there's standards and all that. But I watched like good four because I was getting like sick almost. I'm yeah. like, yo, mm-hmm. and my uh, the teammate of mine that was getting it done, he was obviously so tired. But after like the third one, he's like, yo, what the, f- <laughs> what we- are we doing here? Yeah. Are you yeah. nervous? Sorry, sorry, or- sorry. And then he leaves. And then on the sideline, I mentioned it to one of the people on our medical staff, and they broke down that they were like, when was the last time you think that guy had to get uh, give an IV or get in there? I was like, I have no idea. He's like, legitimately, probably 15 years ago. I'm yeah. like. Well, why is that guy giving IDs? <laughs> why? And they're like, well, he's a doctor. I'm like, well, uh, you just said, though, that he's not. So it's a very interesting thing because they are very certified doctors, very good doctors. I was assuming Los Angeles, by the way. Yes. Probably a pretty yeah. well-known doctor. Expert. Hopefully. But maybe in this particular world, not hasn't done it in a while. I don't, I'm not giving any excuses because it has a low failure percentage. But the fact that it happened, it's like you've got to start looking for like, think, how the fuck does this happen to this guy? Yeah. I think that like... Now, correct me if I'm wrong. The doctor, they should have the high level doctor, like the the doctor that you're talking about that hasn't done it for 15, 20 years, who, who deals with the major issue, injuries and stuff like that. But they probably should have someone who does do IVs and stuff like that and needles every single day and doing IVs also there. Hey, listen. What do you think this travel budget is, Bob? Yeah. <laughs> you, you want an orthopedic surgeon? You want a brain it's doctor? The NFL. Need a IV spine doctor? doctor. <laughs> Long off season. Also, we need an IV specialist. I mean, for real though, that is what it should be. And I would assume there's going to be a lot of conversations coming out about this because this was a starting quarterback. Yeah. And if this ha- it has happened before, we probably haven't heard about it because it was somebody that we didn't really know. And they're playing against the Super Bowls. I mean, this is Super Bowl champs. It is a it is a wild, wild time to be alive. Uh, Herbert goes into unprepared. Imagine if he 
goes and God forbid something bad happens. Oh. Might be better, by the way, because you're just kind of not scared. So you think finding out the five to ten seconds right before was better Can't for him? Can't even think about it, which, okay. by the way, might be good for him moving forward uh, for his whatever. And I'm not saying he's not a confident person. We talked to him. He seemed like a very confident person, even yeah. though he's quiet and he, pl- yeah. he played quiet and he played awesome. But I think getting dropped into something like a moment before is almost better than having a full week of just like, Thinking. oh, they might do this. They might do this. Yeah. They might do this. I think it's better for him that it happened. But obviously it happened because Tyrod's lung doesn't work anymore. <laughs> I asked, like, what does a punctured lung feel like? And oh. they were like, I guess it's just very hard to breathe. I'm like, they probably think it's COVID, too. I mean, because COVID, I guess, is hard to breathe. I mean, what a wild time to be a lung, dude. You got... you. Got, <laughs> Tyrod's lung right now has been entrenched in battle. Hercules of lungs. COVID 19s <laughs> trying to get in there. Now we got now we got needles jumping in there. Don't smog the LA. in LA. Smog. Yeah. LA smog. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, there he is. Big time. Thoughts and prayers to Tyrod Taylor's yeah. lung. It's been through a lot in the last couple. He had months. to live in Cleveland. Well, and it's true. And the river was on fire. Yeah, but Buffalo is such fresh air. Oh, it is gorgeous, yeah. especially I mean, during the winter. Well, especially with Buffalo Niagara wings. Falls and yeah. wind. It's crisp. It's yeah, nice. It's Does Tyrod have the most um, terrible career for luck. who well, he is? Geez, terrible luck. Not because I mean, he's a great player. He's a great player. He, but look, he, he went to the playoffs at Buffalo. See you later, Tyrod. Get out. Goes to Cleveland. Hurt. Doesn't start too well. Yeah, gets hurt, and then he has to what? Lead off for a number one, so everyone wants to see the number one. And then he goes to the Chargers, and Philip Rivers leaves after seventeen years. Yeah. Yes, he has to follow Philip Rivers' footsteps. And then, again, they draft a quarterback in the top five, and everyone wants to see the backup quarterback. Maybe Tyrod Taylor has the most unlucky professional quarterback career in the history of anything, and we hope that his lung comes back. Joining us now in between meetings, we can't thank him enough for doing this, a man who broke the news this morning about Tyrod Taylor's lung being punctured by the Chargers doctors. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. According to my sources, Adam Sheffield. I've never had an introduction quite like that as the man who broke the story about a quarterback's lung being punctured. Let's just hope Tyra Taylor is okay first and foremost, but that is a wild story. Wild, wild story, and we only have four minutes with you, but I think that is, is that a Bentley? Uh, <laughs> that's a Bentley leather, I think, right behind you. Definitely not. Definitely not. Oh! Definitely not. Oh! you, dog! All right, let's get to it. We don't have time to waste. All right, so when did you hear about the Tyrod Taylor lung puncturing? And are you worried about like this type of news because of what happened with Jason Pierre-Paul, like a potential HIPAA thing, or is this just going to be public knowledge at some point? No, I mean, I think people know that his lung was punctured. It's not a secret. Um, spoke to enough people. The NFL PA is launching an investigation about it. This was not going to remain secret, and... When I first heard about it, my reaction was the same as I'm sure a lot of people's reaction. Like, Wait, the, the Chargers team doctor, I did what? <laughs> I mean, like, I, I, you know, Pat, you know, it's funny because I initially told my wife about it. And she's like, they get painkilling. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, she's like, I didn't even know. And they, they hurt his lung. She, she's like, that's barbaric. I'm like. That's the sport. I mean, you were in the locker room. You know what it's like. You know what guys put their bodies through to be able to play on Sunday. I don't know what you did uh, for all the hits that you took and gave out, dished out, but these guys put their bodies on the line, and that's why they deserve every penny they make, and they do a lot of things to get ready, including taking painkilling injections. Now, this type of painkilling injection, it's not unique. It's not rare. Players do that, but it's rare that 
a lung is punctured as it was in this particular case. And I think players know that there's always a risk when they get a pain-killing injection in the rib area. That's always a risk. And it's why some doctors use x-rays machines to administer the pain-killing injection. But in this particular case, it was, as I described, a medical mishap. And his lung lung was punctured and he had a hard time breathing. And that's why it was on Sunday, like, everyone's like, what's Justin Herbert doing out there? Like, right away, people are calling me. How come this wasn't mentioned? In the pro-? I'm like, I, I had no idea. Like, I mean, for, you know, it's not often that you're just completely surprised and blindsided by something. But when Justin Herbert came out to start, I was like, where did that come from? Well, especially oh. especially you, because you'd be given a heads up, it seems like four days probably yeah, before okay. anybody else, and you kind of just have to sit on it. A lot of trust and faith in your brain knowing everything. But the, according to my sources, Schefter, they said the exact same thing to you, that the Marcane shot that you get in the ribs is something that they've got done, and it's just like a surgery where the doctor tells you, like, hey, there's a chance that this could happen, but it is like a 0.1% chance that it could happen. Has this happened before, and we just haven't heard about it because it wasn't a starting quarterback? Or is this very abnormal for happening, and they just say like this could happen just to kind of cover their own ass in case worse comes to worst. Yeah, I don't think it's the first time it ever happened. I think the 49ers had a player that had happened to in the 90s. Um, Jerome Bettis had one before a playoff game where he was coming back from a groin injury and they shot up his leg, but they hit a nerve and his whole leg went numb. And in a game that he thought he was going to start, he couldn't go out there and play. And he sat in the locker room crying about it. Um, so the, these things happen. Pat, but it's just so rare. I mean, I'll ask you, do you remember guys getting shots in their ribs to play? I'm sure they did, right? Yeah. 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 So, but it's, it's not often that they puncture the lung, obviously. And, and uh, as you said, 1% chance, I don't know the exact percentage, but it's certainly not high, but people know how sensitive and delicate these treatments can be. I even had a doctor, a team doctor text me right afterwards. He's like, this is why I never like giving out pain-killing injections in the rib area. We, we don't like to do that. There, there's a lot of risk involved. And again, you just... It, it's a, it's an unfortunate situation for everybody. Doctor wasn't trying to do it, but he did it. Uh, supposed to be a good doctor. Not in this case. You know, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody has accidents. But this is a high-profile one on a quarterback, and so it's going to generate a lot of conversation, obviously. Well, and it sucks for Tyrod Taylor, who's the most unlucky quarterback potentially in the history of the NFL. And, and with the game that Herbert had, who knows if Tyrod Taylor comes out and beats the Super Bowl champs, what that means for the rest of the mm-hmm. year and the future of the franchise. I mean, there's just a lot of different variables that go into this accident or this uh, terrible situation for Tyrod Taylor. And before I let you go, and I appreciate you taking a couple moments here with us, you're the man for this driving around in your Rolls Royce. The by, 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 yeah, by the way, those are pretty cool T-shirts. Do I get – you're going to send me some of those T-shirts? to wear which one and, and, and i don't know you tell me they're the coolest ones in an xl i want to i want to pump up the show and pump up yep. okay that's good okay okay, okay. shafty you said it we'll send you the he's back one that uh roth or about ben roethlisberger that Diggs is currently wearing on his chest yeah. we'll send you the yeah. dropping dimes and suck it sign shirt for aaron Rodgers. Yeah. we'll send you the yeah. if i die i die <laughs> shirt with kirk cousins mm. um but yeah. it, it, along those lines not dying but close i was watching you on monday night kickoff and you had your two phones there and they were going to you to report news. Sunday was one of the saddest days in the NFL when it comes to injury news. And it seemed like, and I don't want to say seemed like, because that would mean you're disingenuous, but it felt like you were at the point where you were exhausted of breaking terrible news. And is that 
is that an accurate reading? Because I think he broke that an ACL was uh, confirmed tore on the air, and it was like one after another, torn ACL, another Achilles, another ACL, and it was big star names. And it felt like from listening to you say it, it was like, man, you were like, man, this is just – it's getting worse and worse and worse as they get they went well, on. Well, that, that's pretty observant. And, uh, you know, I will say that I don't remember the last Sunday that I went through that was like that where – I mean, I'm I'm watching the game at home. And, um, I, it, I mean, if you're watching, I, first of all, I, I haven't watched games at home. So the whole year is, is just, it's just weird. Right. So, you know, I got my in-laws around and, and I told oh. the story on my podcast this week that, um, I go into that room at one o'clock, you know, and I came out at one point to get some water. So my mother-in-law said to me, and my, my in-laws are not football people. She goes, there are still games on. I'm like, yeah. And she goes, w- when do they end? And I'm like, at about midnight tonight after the Sunday night. She's like, wait, wait, there are games all day? And I said, what What do you think I've been doing for the last 30 years? <laughs> like, they don't even know that they're like, when I went away every Sunday for the last, like, where did you think I was? What did you think I was doing? Like, you know, and so on this particular Sunday, it was, I, I, I don't remember the last time I had a Sunday like that. Like, there have been star players who've gotten hurt and I, I hate to see that. I do hate to see that. And there are injuries that you have to check on. But I never like to do that on a Sunday. It's just, to me, it's like it's game day. Like, everything leads up to this. Let's let's watch the games and we'll let the coaches speak in the press conferences afterwards and address the – and I, I don't like to do that stuff in-game. before. It's just – it's not what I enjoy. It's not what I like. There were so many of them. It was just – honestly, it was overwhelming – to just try to keep up with everything. Yeah. Like, and you feel so bad for these guys, the teams, the coaches, like, man, it's brutal. It's just brutal. And then, and you know, th- then you hear about the Tyrod Taylor injury and that, that's just the capper to the whole week, which was a wild week. And, uh, and we'll be back at it again Sunday. And I hope I end up with the yeah, game, they're, they're, yes, that, that's I called my mother on that. Yes, Manny, there are games from 1 to about 11.30. So have a great day, and I'll, and I'll see you this week. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, ESPN insider, the insider, a man who has to break a lot of terrible news. And on Monday, I, I saw it wearing on the guy. I saw it wearing on him. Ladies and gentlemen, legend in a Rolls Royce, Adam Sheffield. Legend in a suit to be new Pat McAfee t-shirt. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. you're the best, buddy. Have a good one. It's been very intriguing because there is an entire list of games and teams that have got postponed or canceled. And it's a lot larger than I could have fathomed it being, to be honest with you. But it is something I think it's very real, especially with the amount of players in college football and also the amount of contact that people have outside of the college locker room. With this list, the teams that have been already postponed or canceled. Oh, it's loading, Foxy says. I can dive into into the thing here no it's in there okay uh so north carolina state at virginia tech 
rescheduled. SMU at TCU, rescheduled. Marshall at East Carolina, rescheduled. Army at Rice, East Carolina at South Carolina, UL Monroe at Troy, Florida International at UCF, Tulsa at Oklahoma State, Temple at Navy, Louisiana Tech at Baylor, Rice at Marshall, UAB at Rice, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Houston at Memphis, uh, BYU at Army, Central Arkansas game, UNC Charlotte uh, at North Carolina, FAU Georgia Southern, Houston at Baylor, Memphis at UT, Notre Dame now is the most recent one at Wake Forest here that is being rescheduled. And this is so interesting. It is so interesting because we saw this with the MLB, with the Marlins early. Mm-hmm. Their, three of their games got postponed. I believe St. Louis Cardinals were also a team that had some games postponed. There was another team or two. And now that college football is happening, we're all very intrigued to see how it would work out. They're getting tested, I think, like a couple times a week or every other week or something like that. They have contact tracing, so if one person gets it, another 10 people will get it. And now there's coming out stories that Dana Holgerson – chirped the Baylor athletic director when the Houston Baylor game was postponed. So I reached out to sources with knowledge on the subject Mm. and asked why was the most hilarious headline I've seen in a long time at the bottom of ESPN, Dana Holgerson chirping irks Baylor athletic director (laughs) is maybe one of my favorite headlines I've seen for a long time. I reached out to somebody. I was like, hey, what's going on? Why, Why is somebody being chirped or why is somebody irked by the chirping and what i was told is very intriguing and it's telling us how college football is actually working this year that i don't think anybody has really talked about i guess there's two to three medical calls throughout the week from teams that are playing each other where they're expected to be fully transparent in their information that they have so if a game is going to be postponed they'll know in one of those calls one of the first calls the second call third call i don't know how many are i was told there's numerous calls so i would assume that's more than two uh because numerous if there was two calls they would say two i think Mm -hmm. so i'm trying to do the math here so I think there's three, maybe four calls, who knows, weekly between the medical people and they're being told to be fully transparent so that each team can get a heads up on whether or not the game's going to happen. I guess in this particular case, Baylor, for whatever reason, maybe they didn't know or without knowledge, was not being fully transparent mm. with the Houston squad all the way up until 22 hours before the game. Houston thought they were playing the game. Then they were told, no, it's being postponed. So you could see how Houston, who's been in a situation now with a couple of their games being rescheduled, they're not because of them, normally because of the other side, getting a late heads up when they're being expected to be fully transparent because, hey, we're all in this together. Dana Holgerson could potentially want to stir the pot a little bit and be like, hey, I just want to but uh, all you motherfuckers know that <laughs> we've been getting our shit right and yeah. we've been fully transparent. But uh, because it's going to happen, I think everybody is under the um, oh understanding. But that's you're under the understanding. Yeah, under yeah. the guys, under the understanding yeah. that this is potentially going to happen to any team. Yeah. It's not like you can predict it. It's not like hey, this is because your school is running things differently. But that full transparency that is being expected in these medical conversations, I think that people are like, hey, we have to uphold that if we want to keep moving forward. In which leads us to the Big Ten only having eight straight weeks with zero wiggle room whenever we saw all those games already get postponed or rescheduled. I mean, that's going to be a tall task for the Big Ten. Hey, those players, though, are literally going to have to not leave their rooms. Yeah. Because you have no... You, you DoorDash, you Postmate, somebody shows up, what, they sneeze on the bag and with what we're learning, like, is it air travel? Is it not? Air? I mean, who knows how anybody gets it? No wiggle room from the Big Ten is an interesting uh, decision. But a league that has been doing a great job is the NFL. Hell yeah. The NFL has released their numbers. There's zero positives among players and coaches, only among personnel. This season has gone off with pretty good football, mm-hmm. pretty good football thus far. We all have been craving it. We've all been loving it. And I've enjoyed 
the addition to CBS's broadcast crew from the man who was once at Fox. He's the voice of Madden. Joining us now, ladies and gentlemen, Charles Davis. Yeah! Yeah! Hey, Pat. Charles. Your shirt just brought a couple people to their feet in the office here. I assume you're a big, what's that Kevin Costner show? Oh, yeah, Yellowstone. Yellowstone. You're a big Yellowstone fan, huh? I am a huge Yellowstone fan. Um, my broadcast partner, um, Evan Washburn, is as well. Costner, you know, Cole Hauser, oh, oh. Kelly Riley. Yeah. What they're doing on that show, I could go on for days, but is I, i'm loving it absolutely loving it i've never set foot in montana and now i want to move there <laughs> that's that's how good it is and and i just can't wait i can't believe that we're in a hiatus now obviously the way year three ended if all the guys there are yellowstone fans as well they know exactly what i'm talking about so we can't wait to see who comes out of the carnage all right oh, no. <laughs> uh, i haven't got that uh, yet. pat i'm old enough to remember who shot jr which really triggered the cliffhanger on on television nightly television on the tv show dallas oh this was a, this was a similar type of a cliffhanger for people of my vintage so anyway i, I let and before we start Congratulations to you on everything that you have accomplished, done. No. So many more things coming your way. You have you have hit like Martin Luther King used to talk about the zeitgeist, right? Hitting at the moment. That big thing. That's you so oh, far. Hell yeah. Phenomenal. Thank you for having me on. And college football, NFL, you've already pointed out where the differences are going to be. There's not a governing body. I know there's the NCAA, ah, they're out of business. but these conferences run themselves. <laughs> yeah, And we saw it immediately where the Power Five splintered and couldn't do everything the same way so that all would play at the same time, et cetera. But if you don't have an overall governing body, unlike the NFL, which you operate from a commissioner's office and the teams take, take note, plus the age differences and the differences in how you do things, the professionalism of playing and knowing that if you violate your professionalism, you're violating your livelihood and your check versus a college kid, 18 to 22, where consequences, you know they're there, but do you take them as seriously? And I'll leave it with this. I saw it in the New York Times, Ed Orgeron, Coach O, LSU Tigers. He said, he said, and I'm paraphrasing, but I'm pretty close. When they asked him about it, oh, I told you guys they can't go you know, they can't go to the bars and in the, in the, in the places, you know, we can't do that. <laughs> I really want you to limit what you're doing on college campus, you know, when you go to parties and all that, when we have those days off, we got to do that. I told them all, just get your girlfriend, take her out for a nice date, take care of her business, and get on home. Now, <laughs> take care of business part. That's the, that was the money shot for me. And I'm pretty sure Coach O didn't quite mean it the way it came out. No. But I thought, this is too good. Yeah. 2020. The New York Times and Coach O mashed together, and I'm pretty sure he finished with Go Tigers. But, you know, who knows? Charles, you've been around. You've done college football. Uh, now you're in the NFL world. You know a lot about a lot of things. And I thought the, the biggest difference between college football and the NFL and why the NFL would work and why college wouldn't work, uh, uh, amongst the litany of things you just led, read off there about no governing body, is because there's 110 guys, and there's only – 
35 of them playing. So it's going to be very hard to get that redshirt freshman who has no chance of playing time on a Friday night before a game because he's not in a team hotel to be like, I'm all in because my team, <laughs> you know, what I, mean? I, think, I think there's a lot of things there. And that's why the Big Ten only given eight weeks to get an eight game season in. I think it's the Big Ten presence being like, OK, you want to play? Good luck. Let's figure it out. But let's go to the NFL now. Let's because the NFL is working in a successful fashion. You move over to CBS the first week, you get a chance to see the Ravens. And the big question was, will Lamar Jackson be able to duplicate what he did last year? Will he be able to pack on or stack on another year of greatness from getting a chance to watch him with live eyes, which not a lot of people have been able to? That Ravens team seems to be a really, really, really good squad right now. I would agree with that. Absolutely, Pat. And, and one of the things that struck me was you're always looking for these guys to improve. So let's take basketball very quickly. You always heard about Michael Jordan every year doing something with his game in the summertime, right? Yeah. People said he couldn't hit the outside shot. He started doing it. Magic Johnson was the same way. When he came into the league, he was not much of a shooter. And by the time he ended it, he was a very reliable three-point shooter because they kept adding. Kobe Bryant, remember his source of his conflict with Shaq was that Kobe would work on his game in the summer, Shaq would work on his puns and, and, and his funny stuff, and say, I'll get in shape and be ready for the playoffs. And that would drive Kobe crazy. Well, Lamar Jackson did all of that this summer, even with COVID going on. He wanted to be a better deep ball thrower. We saw that in game one right away. But the other thing that goes along with that is Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown's healthy, and he added to his game. I saw guys who were dependable last year add to their games even during COVID and get better. Plus, no one had a better offseason in terms of draft, free agency, than the Baltimore Ravens. A 14-2 and team, to me, got better. I mean, you had Derek Wolf, Calais Campbell. At one point, it was going to be Michael Brockers, but remember that he, he failed the physical, and that's when they hired added Derek Wolf. When you go draft late in the draft, and you get probably the top inside linebacker in Patrick Queen. When you're able to get J.K. Dobbins, the maybe the top go, yeah, runner, at the top of the second, second round, they got better. So preseason executive of the year, for me, it was Eric DaCosta. And 14-2 and two teams don't get recognized that way. But this was a team that's 14-2 and two and got better. And I saw that in evidence in, in the Cleveland game in the opener. I mean, the Chiefs would have an argument because they were somehow able to pay everybody everything that they <laughs> yeah. needed. So, I mean, who knows how that works? Two very different things. They got better. They were able to keep a team together for a long term. So there's two different conversations there. But whenever you're doing these games, you're doing interviews with coaches. You're doing interviews yeah. with players. These are all done via Zoom, I'd feel. And, yes. and how is, like Harbaugh, for instance, has come out and said, free the Big Ten. Like So I understand probably how he, <laughs> he views this thing. But when you're talking to them about this entire process what is the reaction are they just like hey we're trying to block it out and not worry about it or are they attacking it head on like we have to deal with covid first before we can deal with anything else everyone we talked to attacked it head on and now for them the word routine comes to mind even though it's a lousy word to use because there is no routine in 2020 we know that yeah true but that was the thing was how did they attack it from the beginning so head on from the start was their key and when we talked with the Ravens, they talked about how that organization from ownership on down really took it seriously and made sure that their facility, everything was set up the right way. And it put a lot of players' minds at ease. We talked to a few players that all said, I'm a veteran. I thought about opting out. And then I saw what we were doing and it eased my concerns. 
When I talked with the Giants and the general manager, Dave Gettleman, he talked about how Ronnie Barnes, their longtime uh, head trainer, had told him early in the process, this is going to be bad. We got to start getting ready. And that was in March of last year, maybe even February of this time frame. And the Giants went ahead and took care of that. So my point being, they got out, those who got out ahead of it, and I think all the NFL teams did to plan for it, now you just know it's part of your routine every day. You come in, you get tested, you got to do these things. And if you want to be a pro, if you want to play in the NFL, and you want to take care of your team and take care of the rest of the people in the league, you will follow the process seriously. That's why I think the NFL has done an excellent job. And the people involved, Pat, have been a part of it, to your point before about with the college kids and trying to keep all that. It's a much different go in college, and it's a much harder go, I believe. Have you got a chance to talk to any of the coaches about the mask rule? Because it seems like that's going to be impossible. <laughs> and it, by the way, you're, you are yeah. one of the voices of the NFL, so you can't say it. I'm going to say it while you're here. I would like everybody to know while I'm saying this that this guy next to me does not agree with what I'm saying probably. I think the fact that they are getting the same amount of tests as the players, they're going through the exact same routine, and to get on that sideline or in that area, you have to be the most negative from COVID person ever. And if you had COVID, you allegedly have the antibodies that would fight against COVID. The fact that they're getting $100,000 and then 250 to the teams, I think that is a massive punishment for something that is probably making the coaches' jobs about 15 times more difficult when it comes to communication with their players with that mask. Have you talked to the coaches about about the mask, I assume they understand. Like, hey, we gotta, we're optically, we gotta set the tone for the rest of our country and everything like that. But I would assume coaches are are about fed up with this entire thing. <laughs> we have not actually, Pat, because it hasn't been an issue up until now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Meaning that the fines weren't handed out until after our last week's games. But we haven't talked with coaches this week. Let's just say I'm sure it'll come up. <laughs> it's a let's, lot of let's money. Let's just say I'm pretty sure someone will have it in their queue to either ask the question or the coach might lead off with it and we'll go from there because, look, we all want to do the right things in this country. We all want to get us back on our feet the way we're supposed to. We all know that wearing a mask in these situations is the right thing to do, not just for yourself but for the people you're going to encounter. But the testing, everything else for us to get into the stadium, we've all tested negative. I wouldn't be surprised at all that that's what the coaches are communicating back to the league right now. Like, I get where you're coming from, but we've all tested. Like, we can't get in if we're, if we're positive. So for all negative, is it as big a deal? And, the, and I think you also hit it, Pat. The league's going to tell them we're setting an example for the rest of the country. And there are plenty of people in the country that we all know that are saying, hold up a second. You guys are getting tested every day. You guys are playing ball. I can't get tested this part of the country for me to this town, to these people. You see where I'm going? Oh, yeah. They want to make sure that they're telling the rest of the world we do treat it seriously as well. Yeah, I'm a, I, I think what you just gave there is the exact right answer. But the thought of those coaches who have to speak into a little microphone that's going into a headphone in a helmet with somebody that's tired and running around, and then they got to be muffled like Bane. I mean, it is <laughs> – they are probably – there's going to be some mad – yeah. Well, yeah. Pat, Pat <laughs> you've, got, you've, got, you've got to take it back to the people. <laughs> give it back to the people. And look, we're all, we're all creatures of habit, right? So if you have your mask on and you're trying to talk into your thing to send your play calls in, you're covered. No one can see your mouth. They can't read it. Even if you have the telescope, you can't do anything. But because we're creatures of habit, what have we always done with a play call? Oh, yeah. 
So we do that with the mask. So we are doubling down to make sure you can't read our (laughs) signals. And I don't know if that's affecting communication or not, but it is interesting because I see people go, well, they already have the mask on and I always say, yeah, but we're creatures of habit. This is how it works. Which is, by the way, why it's hard, I think, for a lot of people to have that mask on. Is that a dog in the back, by the way, or a kid? That is that is that is my daughter's dog. She's <laughs> in visiting, and Martin is the little guy. We've got three other Goldens, oh, and Martin's wow. a little mutt. And he's like a, he's like an eight. He's like inch high private eye compared to them. And I think that I think he's expressing right now. You guys need to leave me alone. And I just dated myself with inch high private eye. <laughs> That's okay. Somebody will get that. Uh, tell him. Tell the dog we said hello. Uh, Connor I certainly qu- will. Martin, quiet. Hey, that a boy, Martin. Go ahead and get it. Hey, you want a treat, Martin? You want a treat? <laughs> you want to go outside, but, Martin? You want to go outside? Pat, 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 you're killing me. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm he's so he's sorry. had three treats already. What are you trying to do to me? That's 100% right. He he's going to be doing laps all night to get back to playing weight. <laughs> <laughs> My wife is listening to this right now at the house. And our dog just heard me say treat and outside. And my wife is currently doing the same exact thing you're doing. I'm like, shut up. Uh, Connor's got a question for you. Yeah, Charles, you've been a staple of the Madden video game franchise for quite some time. Uh, Have you ever gone in and told the video game developers that they've released the same game every year since 2014? Or do they already know that and they just don't give a shit? This is hot on the internet, Charles. This is a hot conversation in the Madden community. It is. And and I get it. You know, it's, it's funny. I've gone off of social media now for probably about a month and a half. So Congrats, I don't Mark. read or hear the same things I've heard for the previous five years that I've been on the game, <laughs> which is which is exactly what you just said. Yep, same thing. And, yep. and I get it because my son is now 22. OK, about to turn 23. And when I took the job, the first thing he said was, congratulations, this is great. Now, if you're going to do this job. Can you make sure you vary what you say so that I don't know that every play you're going to say the exact same thing? <laughs> and I was like, wow, thanks for the shot right out of the gate. But I hope everybody understands we actually are trying. I mean, we are absolutely trying to do that and vary it. Now, the game makers, they're way above me, all right? They're, they're, they're at a thousand, you know, 40,000 feet. I'm not. I can't speak to that part. I know that they are trying as well. But for us talking about it, myself, Brandon Godden, my play-by-play partner, it, it we're trying. That's all I can tell you is like, God, did I say that for the 15th time again? Or can I vary that one? Can this one trigger differently? We're giving it our best shot. I've had to go to the thesaurus people and say, hey, <laughs> yeah. sit me down and help me out. I need a different word. What's the synonym, the antonym? Give me something different for this word right here. What can I say that's different than block and tackle? Well, Charles, it's interesting because whenever you're calling an actual game, that's once a week for four hours at a time. Then, in some similar situations, might pop up. Video game, though, they are spending a lot of time with Charles Davis. They're spending seven hours daily with Charles Davis. <laughs> and there's a lot of similar situations that are just popping yes. off. I've actually heard that the Madden gig for a commentator is more work than anything else. Because I've, I've asked, I'm like, how do they pick the Madden people? Like, that's pretty cool. And they're like, Phew. Tough job. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, tough job. You're recording a lot. You got to update a lot of things. It's a lot of work. So I want to give you and your guy, Brandon, or whatever, a massive shout out for being a part of it. Because I've been told by by everybody in the business, it's like, uh, one of the worst gigs is the Madden gig because you are just constantly just re-recording. I'm like, okay. Appreciate, Appreciate that. And I'll be very brief here. 
when you talk with Phil Sims, when you talk with Jim Nance, when you talk with Gus Johnson, when you talk with uh, Brad Nessler, Kirk Herbstreet, I think you'll get a similar answer. We all love doing it, but it can be, you know, for everyone at home, all right, we're going to do this third and 10, third and nine, third and eight, third and seven. Outside linebacker makes this tackle on the running back, on the receiver, on the tight end. Oh, <laughs> Hey, be entertaining. We need energy. And by, oh. and by the way, give me something different. <laughs> uh, go ahead, Charles, you just watched him for four quarters. Is Mitch ever going to be able to put four quarters together? Come on. That's, that's, that is the question, isn't it? The absolute question. And if there's one criticism I have, Martin. Dog says no. No, no way. Martin, Martin says, says no. Martin just says <laughs> he, he weighed in, didn't he? Yeah. If, there's one criti- if there's one major criticism I have of what I did on Sunday, didn't examine it as deep as, as we probably should have. We saw him carry over his fourth quarter against Detroit mm-hmm. to a really nice start against the Giants. Oh, yeah. And then in the second half, went cold. Oh. And that's what they're looking for. The ability to be consistent for four quarters. We are in year four. They didn't pick up the fifth-year option on him. He's got to prove it. Now, they asked me during the game. Iron Eagle said, hey, are we going to see this? I said, ask me about game five because I want to give him the chance this year to all the different changes he's made, all the mechanical things. He had to beat out Nick Foles when the whole country said Nick Foles is going to take that job. All of those things. But if we're still having the same issues by week five, guys. Guys. Hey, you want treat? Then then, then, then we got a problem on our hands. And that's that's where Chicago is right now because they're in a division where they're going to have to score points. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers is scoring points, man. He's not slowing Damn down right. at all. Mm-hmm. So in that division, when you go up against Green Bay, this isn't the days when, when we were kids, Pat, and they beat up each other and someone won 14 to 10. That Those days are gone. Green Bay is going to set the pace scoring points. Minnesota, we got to get them figured out. Detroit's struggling like mad. So if Chicago's defense wants to compete, they need their offense to put up points to win that division. Uh, we're talking to Charles Davis right now, CBS color commentator, first year there, calling games. First year, or first week he called the Ravens game. This past week he called Bears-Giants. Uh, and this will be my last question, Charles, and I can't thank you enough for your time here. You've been awesome. Sure. You've been at, Well, I got two questions. One's going to be about all those DVDs or books behind you. I don't know what those <laughs> okay. are. Okay. Uh, but my first question is, was that Nick Foles, Mitchell Trubisky from everything you've heard? Was that an actual competition? Or was that like we want Mitch to have the job and we want him to feel good with Nick Foles coming in as a backup? No, actual competition. They actually split everything right down the middle. I went beyond just asking the coaches. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know. Yes, have to. Right? Yeah. So I went beyond that. They actually did split it right down the middle. Whatever number of reps one got, the other got them. Whatever situation, same situations. They charted everything. They did their best to do that. Now, the one thing we have to keep in mind is this offseason, this offseason because of COVID, no OTAs, no mini camps. So Mitchell Trubisky actually had to jump because he's been in that system with Matt Nagy for three years. That helped. Now, give him credit, though. The challenge came at him, and he hung in there, and he played well enough that they decided to give him the first go. I don't think it would be disingenuous to think that for the Bears franchise, for Ryan Pace, the GM, Matt Nagy, the head coach, that there wasn't a little bit of an advantage for Mitchell Trubisky that they wanted him to be the guy. Because when you move up from three to two to draft a guy, you want to give it every chance to make it work. And by the way, if you really look at it, 
Nick Foles has been better doing what in his career than starting, coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. Ooh. When he comes off the bench, things are typically better, save that one great year in Philadelphia. The rest of the time, he's better as the change-up guy. And I think that's why they went in that direction as part of the reason. Charles, you're amazing, man. I hope we get a chance to talk to you again. Have a great season. Congrats on the gig with CBS. Number two behind Tony Romo is quite a earn, uh, quite an earned opportunity that you have completely done so. Ladies and gentlemen, Charles Davis, the voice of Matt. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Mark, thanks, you, for, thanks for having me, guys. Hey, Mark, you want to treat Martin? Treat, 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 all books, Matt. Those are all books back there. Yes, all books. Really? They're all the exact same size? The All books. What's, all, all, all by different genres, authors, that sort of a deal. Are you a re- like you're an avid reader? I guess how many books a week, like that type of thing. Now, at this time frame, it's all media guides and whatever. But in the off season, I tend to devour books. That's for sure. There's I'm so, no doubt. I'm so jealous. I've never, I've never read one. I hope to someday, though. I hope to someday. <laughs> well, 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 we'll get together next off season, and we'll and we'll work through one audio book. Bingo. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Charles. So sorry to interrupt. I just want to let you know that every single night, everybody in this office sleeps on the most comfortable mattress of all time. And said mattress that we're talking about doesn't didn't come from a creepy, weird mattress store where you're rolling around in other people's sweat or lice or hair, and you got a car salesman like person following you around. Like well, these springs are more comfortable than these springs, and this particular foam is better than this particular foam. And you have no idea if that's true or not because are you comfortable in the moment at the mattress store because you got weirdos looking at you and you just want to get a bed and get the hell out of there, or are you actually comfortable? Well, take all that out of the equation with our friends at Lisa because Lisa has done all the research, all the science you could possibly need to give you the most comfortable mattress you've ever slept on and it shows up at your doorstep in a box. To unwrap the box and to get the mattress into your bedroom takes less than five minutes. Three minutes for me. I mean, you can try to race that if you'd like, but if you're looking for a new mattress, like we all are, shout out to our friends Lisa, who show up at your door with the most comfortable mattress you've ever had. It's convenient, it's comfortable, it's Lisa. And right now you get up to $150 off your original mattress. Hop the oh shit up to two hundred and fifty dollars off the hybrid mattress, mm-hmm. or up to three hundred and fifty dollars off the legend mattress, plus a free organic sheet set with each purchase when you go to lisa.com. That's l e e s a dot com. Once again, you get up to one hundred and fifty dollars off the original mattress, up to two hundred and fifty dollars off the hybrid mattress, which I believe is a cooling heating system. Yep, and or up to three hundred and fifty dollars off their legend mattress, which is their latest and greatest and biggest most comfortable mattress uh and a free organic sheet set which everybody knows you need at lisa.com that's l-e-e-s-a.com real comfort with actual convenience showing up at your doorstep that is what lisa does shout out to them for making us all sleep better sounder in a much more efficient fashion now back to the show Joining us now is a man who's a Super Bowl champion, a two-time Pro Bowler, a Saints Hall of Fame member, and currently the Saints color commentator. He owns and operates two restaurants. Okay, wow. here we go. Here we go, Dude. ladies and gentlemen. Deuce McCallis. Yeah. Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Hey, what type of restaurants Ooh. we got cooking? I just read this on the little page down here that I get every single day. I didn't know that you're an entrepreneur, restaurateur. I did not know that. 
Yeah, I've stuck my hand in, in, in a few dishes there. And, uh, you know, it's Louisiana cuisine right now. We're, we're pretty much like any restaurant across America and really in New Orleans. You know, when you're in that service industry, you're depending on people to be able to come and uh, be able to service you. And so right now for us, it's a tough industry to be in. And so we're hanging out. Just We, we serve Louisiana cuisine. It's a, it's a mixture of uh, obviously Louisiana food, but Mississippi, my home state, where I'm from as well. We try to have a couple of dishes in there. You talk about some rabbit pie pie and some other things. Wow. You go, Deuce. Maybe I was able to fix up uh, while I was up in Mississippi a little bit. <laughs> okay. Well, obviously, we can't wait to get to the other side of this entire thing and get down there and try some of your food. I hope everybody else does as well. Uh, let's talk about the New Orleans Saints, shall we, which you are a Hall of Fame member over there. Drew Brees got attacked on the internet after Monday Night Football for his arm being weak or whatever. We talked to Aaron Rodgers yesterday, and Aaron was like, what are we even – we're two weeks into this thing. Just a couple weeks ago, Tom Brady was dead now Drew Brees is dead. It's very much an overreaction world. But as a color commentator, you're with this team week in, week out. What are you seeing from this Saints squad? Is there any need for anybody in the Saints fan base to be like, are the Saints done for? Or is this just a hiccup in the road and they ran into a great Raiders team that nobody really had on the radar? Well, I think, you know, first of all, you have to take your hat off to the Raiders because they played really, really well. You know, I think for the Saints, uh, maybe even overestimated themselves a little bit just because that first quarter, it was so easy for them. Oh. You know, right now, offensively, they are not playing with a lot of rhythm. And, you know, whether Michael Thomas was there or not, that 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 is not going to change that. He makes it easier on them, but it doesn't change the fact that some of the, you know, whether it's alignment, whether it's uh, route depth, whether it's uh, picking up assignment as far as even in the offensive line and even running game, you know, you have to be able to finish. And they're not they're, they're not clicking on all cylinders, cylinders. And I think when you look around, though, the easiest target is obviously Drew Brees and his arm strength, and they don't push the ball down the field, you know, like they normally would have. And I, and I would agree, hey, look, they're not the team that they were, and he's not the quarterback that he was 10 years ago, and they understand that. But even Coach Payton will, will agree, and the players will tell you, they still have enough talent to be able to go out and execute an offense. You just have to do it at a higher rate. Let's talk about the running back position because Alvin Kamara, mm -hmm. uh, he got an epidural, I guess, a check on his back. Then they give him an extension. He has been mm -hmm. awesome throughout his entire career and these first couple of weeks. As a former running back and in a position that normally gets – you know, cast it aside in recent history. Now, granted, guys are getting paid now, which is good because everybody understands that running backs are an important position. When you see Alvin Kamara play the way he does, and Latavius Murray, I think he took a guy out on, on Monday night. You have to love that about Sean Payton's offense. It's known for the throw, but running backs are a big part of that entire thing operating well. Well, and Alvin, Alvin is playing phenomenal. I mean, right now he's always – he's and we look – we know that he was banged up last year, and so it, it, it kind of showed he told us a little bit, not only ankle and knee, but he's been phenomenal these first two games. He went north of 150 total offensive yards uh, in that game against the Raiders. He was probably the brightest spot of anything that they did from an offensive standpoint, not only as a receiver, but obviously as a runner as well. And, you know, for him, it's just got to be staying healthy. If he can stay healthy for the complete year, I look for him to put up some insane numbers. Like I said, he already has four touchdowns uh, in the first couple of weeks. I expect him to be around that 12 to 15 number as far as overall touchdowns this season. You know, you, you still were able to work Ty Montgomery in a little bit as a as a receiver as well. And then when you talk about Murray, you know, his, his ability to be able to be a catcher as well as a runner only helps and gives them more flexibility offensively. You had to watch that Raiders offense and love what they were doing. Darren Waller opens it up. You bring in a safety to cover him. Okay, now you're lighting the box. Let's go ahead and hammer you with Rashard, Josh Jacobs, and everybody. You had to love to watch that as a former running back. 
Well, I love to watch it, but I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> as, as a former running back, you loved it. I mean, when you look at that offensive line, you have to be impressed. And 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 even with not having uh, Richie Incognito, and then you didn't have Trent Brown, they had some guys that you know really almost on the backup level, they were still able to control the offensive pace, particularly the the passing game. And I thought that complemented well what they wanted to do from a run aspect. Saints played a lot of five-down defensive linemen trying to limit them from running the ball. And look, the Saints have a streak going where they haven't given up 100 yards to one runner in almost 45, 46 games, but they were able to go over 100 yards as a team. And a couple of teams have done that. But for them, they you really saw uh, them kind of get tired. And you knew that may be an issue early in the season. They had almost probably 80 offensive plays, that being the Raiders. And, you know, tackling, I thought the Saints didn't do a great job of tackling this game. And that really was not something that you saw in the previous week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I think as you take on Aaron Rodgers this upcoming Sunday night, that's something to watch. I mean, because if you don't tackle against Jones, the tailback for uh, Green Bay, you're going to be in trouble again. He he ran a 75-yard sprint this past weekend. (laughs) I I think that's why they drafted a guy so high, because they were just going to get tired from watching his ass run. What do you got, Diggs? Deuce, it was was last week when uh, Tiki Barber came out and said that maybe Saquon wasn't an every-down back because of his pass blocking. What... for pass blocking for a guy like that's ath- that athletic, obviously he's out now, but like, is it just a one-two when you're a running back and, and you're pass blocking? I think some of it is a one-two, but also technique is always going to help you as well. And you've got to understand, Sa- Saquon will continue to get better. And I thought that his comments were the right uh, way to take it. You know, it's easy for me and Tiki to be able to c- come up here and, and, and talk on the radio or television and critique the current current players that are playing now. But at the end of the day, it's got to be want to. It's got to be technique as well. And so I consider him an every down back. And, you know, it's unfortunate that he's going to be out with the ACL uh, injury. But because he is one of the premier running backs in the uh, in the NFL, you know, they've got to get that offensive line fixed up there in New York. Uh, Deuce, whenever you talk about an every down back in Tiki saying what he said or whatever, I think that's why a lot of players hate players that get into the media because they forget how hard it is. Like it is, it's not just easy to block a blitzing linebacker up the middle who's just trying to kill you. Like it is a very difficult. Is pass blocking something that came very easy to you, or is it something that you had to work on? I had to work on it as well. And, and, and Pat, even you can say it's easy for me and you to be able to say I can critique any punter. If a punter doesn't pin it, uh, a pin a kicker, pin it inside the 10 yard line. It's easy for me to say, well, he didn't have the laces right. That was the wrong. Thing. <laughs> you know, he, he, he dropped the nose of the football. It's easy for us to do it from when we're sitting on the couch or we're up in the booth. We don't, we don't have a problem with that. It's a lot different when you got live guys coming at you. And, you know, it, it, it's going to be putting yourself in the right position as far as taking and then it's also going to be a little effort. You've got to have some want to uh, as far as doing it. And, you know, that's that's something that he can continue to work on regardless of how many years that he's in the NFL. Deuce, you mentioned how important Michael Thomas is to the continuity of the Saints offense. We heard that he might miss several weeks with that uh, high ankle sprain. Have you heard anything about his uh, what he potentially will be on Sunday if he's going to play? 
Well, here's the interesting thing. The Saints had the option to put him on the injury reserve. And obviously, if you go on the injury reserve, we know that you have to miss at least three games. The Saints didn't take that role. And so, you know, he's consulting with some of the top guys as far as doctors are concerned with that high ankle sprain. The Saints haven't really commented on it a lot. You know, Mike didn't travel with the with the team out to Las Vegas just because you wanted him to continue to get uh, rehab and not flying. That was going to be a critical piece of it as well. Uh, as hard as he works, I would not be surprised if he tries to give it a go. But you have to sometimes protect the player against himself just because he wants to go out there and perform. And, you know, this is a long-term play for this team. They want Michael Thomas healthy for, you know, game 11, game 12, game 13. Uh, you want him healthy for game three, but you need him for the long haul and not just a short term. And so whether he plays or not hadn't really been determined yet. But if it's me, I hold him out another week. Okay, Deuce, uh, something you said in there was interesting. You got to protect a player from himself because – the league has always been like the players don't want to actually give and I, and I've always given NFL doctors like a little bit of an excuse because everybody compares them to their doctor but when you go to your doctor there's something wrong and you're telling the doctor exactly what's wrong a lot of players are the last thing they're doing is telling anybody anything's wrong because they don't want to sit out games and lose their job so I think there's always that type of thing did you hear what happened to Tyrod Taylor with the uh, Marcane shot that punctured his lung and if you ever got anything like that done before like either whether it's Marcane or anything like that or you you a toward all guy strictly like myself because it's the best thing ever well i i did see what happened to him and that's unfortunate you know for, for tyrod because if you go back and you see what justin abra did as far as a quarterback and i know i know the position of the head coach what he's taken and what his stance is i've played with with bruised ribs and so i've had the flap jacket on i know what that feels like that is an in uh, that is not comfortable whatsoever at all and then to have the your own doctor you know he he, he makes that mistakes and, and 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 he's the one that really takes you out you know, that that's unfortunate because I don't know if he's going to be able to play this week, but if Averitt goes out there and he plays well again, how can you really turn to Tyrod and say, hey, look, this is your team. It's still on you to lead this team, you know, particularly if they're able to pull off a victory. We know they were they came up a little short the last game, but that's an unfortunate situation and a bad way to get hurt as well. Most unlucky quarterback in the history of the NFL. <laughs> yeah. What do you got, Connor? Uh, Deuce, we always talk about the importance for rookies to have veterans in their position groups uh, kind of teach them the way of the NFL. When you were with the Saints, they dra- uh, the Saints drafted Reggie Bush. How did you kind of help him become a pro, and were you bitter at all when they drafted him because you were still on the team? I got over my bitterness. And so I was initially, you know, I'm thinking, why are they drafting this guy? Go go get us somebody that can help us. Mario Williams on defense or something. But that was the year that Houston drafted Mario first and Reggie was the second pick. And so when we drafted Reggie, I was my, – my first year with New Orleans, I was with Ricky Williams. This was when Ricky um, was dealing with a lot of personal stuff. I'll put it that way. Ricky and and me and Ricky are are, are pretty good friends now. Ricky didn't treat me the best of, you know, of a player because he was dealing with some personal stuff. So I wanted to make sure for Reggie Bush, I didn't want to treat him like I got treated as a rookie, you know, and I I wanted to be able to help him. And and as well for myself, I had played five years in the NFL and I had never been to the playoffs. I wanted to experience the playoffs. And so I wanted, I knew I needed some help. I was coming off of ACL surgery. You know, Reggie was phenomenal. The one thing I, and I'll pick at him then and I'll pick at him now. He always wanted to get back to California though. I mean, after any time we had a couple days off, Reggie was gone back to LA. 
but I mean, he 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 was a phenomenal. I'm I'm extremely happy for him to see the success that not only he had uh, in the NFL, but after his, his playing days are over. So, but normally you always have that veteran guy that that wants, even though you know that rookie is coming to take your job, you want that young kid to be successful. So you know he can help the overall team achieve its goals. Hey, that's tough though. In some vets get like judged heavily for it. And I'm like, think about it from that person's perspective though. Like they probably feel like they got good five, six years left making very good money doing something. And then if they don't just turn over the keys completely to the young person, they're considered a bad veteran. It's like, that is a tough mental balance. Congrats to you getting over the bitterness. I don't know if I would have been able to. Well, look, you know, we say you got five, six years, but if he is a high round first round player, they didn't draft him just to sit on the bench. <laughs> He is going to play. Now, it's up to you to be a good teammate and to be able to help him as much as possible, but he is going to play, and I understood that. I knew that. I mean, when we were off the field, we were the best of friends, but, you know, even even I, I, I told Rich and I told Pierre, it's my job to keep this job. I'm going to do everything in my power to keep this starting position, you know, but I want to help you because I think ultimately you will help us, you know, be able to be successful. Uh, before we let you go, can't thank you enough for your time, Deuce. You're awesome, by the way. I can't wait to have your no Mississippi, Louisiana food. Oh, I cannot yeah. wait for that. Um, we found out this morning, obviously, a legend passed away in Gale Sayers, Mr. Six Touchdowns in One Game himself. Your thoughts on him, his play style, what he did for uh, trailblazing for not only running backs, but the NFL, uh, African-American, everything. I think this is a, this is a big shot uh, to the NFL community losing this legend. It was a big shot. And, you know, I, I think not only you talk about the attributes and the contributions that he made on the field, but I think the things that so many people speak so highly of him is off of the field and the type of person he, he was off the field and how he just wanted to, he, he was a humble per person. He wanted to give back to not only his community, but to everyone really. And, you know, the, the, we didn't we didn't have him long enough, not only in NFL, but in the life after the NFL as well. And so, you know, we definitely send our condolences for him because the NFL legends, you know, our, our family, our fraternity, we lost, we lost a great one there. I agree completely. Deuce, you're a great one as well, brother. I hope I get a chance to talk to you again. Enjoy Sunday night. Good luck in the restaurant business. We can't wait to chat again, brother. No problem. Thank you for having me on. Hey, Saints Hall of Famer. That's a big deal, Deuce. Mm -hmm. Huge. Deuce, they drafted a guy to kick your ass out of there, and then they put you in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Not True. True. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Deuce McAllister. Legend. Joining us, Super Bowl champion, national champion, Green Bay Packer, Ohio State legend. It says it on his license plate, ladies and gentlemen. The Crimson Chin, A.J. Hawk. Yeah! How are you, A.J.? What's happening, fellas? I, uh, I caught a little bit of the, the show before I jumped on. Man, I just cannot imagine what some caller is going to do to poor Mitt here in the future. Calling, messing around, like giving him oh, spelling oh, name wrong, just to make him look bad on there. Like it's, <laughs> Mitt, I feel for you. That you should feel for him because he's illiterate at this point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Antonio, he spelled Antino. I mean, it was just imagine if a Nicholas calls. I couldn't even fathom. I mean, it is. And listen, I'm this guy's first ever boss. I think he got fired. I guess from a couple other Papa gigs John. or whatever. He's drunk happened, when he showed whatever. up. Yep. But like, so I'm his first ever real boss. And his dad has told me like, hey, let's let's try to make him a functioning member of society. And I'm trying my best. Yeah. But if you spell Antonio. Antino, I might lose hope. You know what I mean? Like, that might be something, especially because Shauna 
Aaron and Tino was just yeah. a bah, bah, a three piece that he took today. It was just tough. I mean, but you're right. Now I assume people are going to fuck with him. That is probably what's going to happen, AJ. I mean, just the fact that he typed up Antina and put it on the screen for you. Like, do you? How yes. many Antinas do you know? That's what I'm saying. I mean, that's the problem. I, I don't think he even knows what he doesn't know or knows what he knows. And he's young, by the way. You have to remember that Mitt is a very young, young, young man and he, a genius. He's handsome. He scored a 31 on the ACT, but mm. somehow he just cannot spell a single thing in this world. And we'll live with that as we go. Uh, I'm happy he's here. He's doing a great job, aside from the fuck ups that he does on. Yeah regular basis but mm -hmm. yeah. he is really gelling well into the office which mm -hmm. is what i care about a lot more than any of his spelling mistakes so that's good aj yesterday aaron Rodgers' conversation that thing's getting clipped everywhere all over the globe a lot of oh yeah a lot of blogs coming mm -hmm. out about him talking about how he's happy now and everybody immediately went to a relationship he just ended as opposed to thinking that aaron maybe just decided to look at himself and say hey i would like to be the best me possible so there was a lot of interesting things going on, on the internet the past day and a half here with aaron Rodgers appearance yesterday I, I don't know if i just if i hadn't been paying much attention or what but i haven't really seen it whatever he said on our show i, I didn't really see it out there and I, I anticipating you being very upset that it didn't get a lot of traction because the second mm. aaron was we're, you were trying to get him off the show and then yep. he goes in this three-minute deal about his how his life is now and then the first thing you said i think that's what's great your transparency you said oh that's amazing this is going to be clipped everywhere they're going to put it all over Wait, little known secret Everyone that does a, a sports show, and I, it was so, it's always weird to me when I hear, like, the, the goal is always to get something picked up, like on the national, in some, in writing somewhere, like NFL.com, ESPN, like, that's all they care about is if they have a guest, hey, let's do, let's get them to say something inflammatory so it gets picked up all over the globe. Like, that's all people are looking for. And you're, you're not trying to do that exactly, but at least when you're, you're transparent, you're honest with it. Okay, this is great for all of us. Yeah, it's good yeah. for you, good for us. I, I think that's why people, uh, People flock to you, Pat. Hey, Aaron, by the way, I just want to let you know what you just said. I don't know if it was a big uh-oh or not, but that's going to get clipped. <laughs> <laughs> that's basically what I wanted to say. And it has, by the way. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's been it's everywhere. Because everybody is going immediately to his personal life. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, do you ever think that maybe he just was like, hey, I'd like to be the best me possible? And there's not even a thought of that, by the way. No. So that's life when you're Aaron Rodgers. That's why we're thankful to talk to him. And I think a lot of people are starting to like Aaron Rodgers in a yeah. lot, yeah, lot bigger way because they're starting to learn about him. Uh, speaking of learning about something, AJ and I know nothing about this following topic, but we got the guy who created it, basically. Uh, fantasy football expert, fantasy football guru from ESPN, ladies and gentlemen, legend, Matthew Barry. <laughs> What's up? I want to. I want to say very clearly. I just. I want to level set real quickly, Pat. Nothing I say is going to get picked up. <laughs> Let's just go ahead and level set that right now. Well, listen. It if we get one a month, I think that's good enough for us. That's not what we're looking for. We're just trying to be an entertaining, informative, insightful show. And I'm worth, we can't thank you enough for joining us today, Matthew. Uh, it's my pleasure. I'm a fan. You guys are awesome. So uh, thrilled to be here. Oh, thank you for that. Now, I, I introduced you there as the man who created fantasy football. Is that an accurate statement or is that just completely fabricated? Uh, it is fabricated. So oh, I, no, get him no, off. Get, no, you Sorry. created it. I, I think. I think what I think you could fairly credit me with. I did not invent fantasy football. Uh, fantasy football was actually invented in 1963, believe it or not, Whoa. by a guy that worked for the Oakland Raiders oh, wow. back when they were in the AFL. Like, if you want to get really nerdy about when it happened, it was invented in 1963. Wow. The Oakland Raiders were 0-7 in the AFL, and one of their guys was like. Man, our team is so crappy. I wish I could create my own team that I could root for with actually good players. <laughs> so 
Um, and we did a we did an episode. So Peyton Manning and I did a uh, episode of Peyton's Places, and we went to the actual hotel in New York City where uh, where the guy from the Oakland Raiders and a couple of his buddies invented fantasy football in 1963. I think what I can take credit for, I think it's fair to say, is uh, I'm most well known for basically popularizing fantasy football and helping bring it into the mainstream because uh, it was for a long time thought about to be fairly nerdy. And uh, not that I'm, you know, Joe Cool or anything like that, but I helped popularize it and make it uh, much more mainstream along, obviously, with the help of ESPN and, uh, you know, media partners like the NFL and many other great people. But that's what I'm most well known for, I think, is popularizing fantasy football and bringing it into the mainstream. Oh, way to go! Yeah! Yeah! Way to go. They would would be so pumped back in that hotel room that probably hasn't been upgraded since 1963 (laughs) in New York. That's awesome. Uh, AJ, what do you got? Oh, Matthew, so I'm, I'm, uh, I don't know a whole lot about fantasy football. I've, I've observed some drafts. I've messed around at, at times. What's a, a, one of the biggest mistakes a novice makes when they jump into a league and they, they get, like, say you jump into a league with a bunch of savvy vets that have been doing it for 10 years. What, what do these young guys do that, that always causes problems? Well, per, fantasy football uh, success often comes from players from finding value. Right. I mean, like, so we all know the good players. And I think what happens is, is not sort of understanding the rules or understanding sort of uh, the, the value proposition. Let me put it this put it a different way. Like, so somebody that hasn't played before might go, oh, well, I want a quarterback. Right. Uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, some of these big name guys, quarterbacks, the most important position in the NFL. It's not the most important position in fantasy, oh. because in a general league, like in an ESPN standard league, you only play 10 people. Other leagues, 12 people usually only start one quarterback. Well, there's there's 20 to 25 legitimately good fantasy football quarterbacks because it's a passing league. And so uh, there are positions where there it's much more scarce, like running back. There's just not a lot of running backs that get a lot of runs. So that's a that's a mistake that often people make is they'll they'll go for the bigger name guy without understanding sort of the rules of the game. Uh, another mistake they'll make is they will bail on players too early. They'll say they'll say, oh, like this guy sucks after one game. And you're like, oh, well, no, like. We're seeing this a little bit with Michael Gallup, right? People are like, oh, it's it's all Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb. Well, Michael Gallup had like a 50-yard reception called back in week one because of a ticky-tack OPI. And I think his numbers look a lot different if that call doesn't get made, right? Or Julio Jones. People are freaking out about Julio Jones. Well, Julio Jones dropped a touchdown pass from Russell Gage, of all people, uh, on Sunday. Uh, something that Julio Jones almost never does, right? And so Julio's going to be just fine. He's Julio Jones. You know what I mean? Like, so it's just sort of that. I think uh, people get panicky early. Well, that happens in real life, too. I mean, we literally overreact to everything. Drew Brees <laughs> was dead just a couple of days ago. Tom yeah. Brady was dead a week and a half ago. So I'm happy to hear that that translates from real life into fantasy life as well. My quick question right. for you as we continue to talk fantasy football here with Matthew Barry, the man who made it a real popular oh, yeah. and, and cool thing to do with the help of ESPN. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that some fantasy leagues are founded by terrorists because they eliminate the punter? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know. Listen, punter, I, I don't think they're founded by a terrorist, but we haven't found, believe it or not, Pat, this is a true story. I have played in a punter fantasy league. There we go. Hey, Hell you go. yeah. There we go. You can do that on ESPN. You can use punters. You get points for yardage. As you might uh, as you might expect, and you get point. You can you can set it so that you get points for punts inside the twenty uh, as well. It's not popular, 
Maybe that should be my next mission. Should. Now that I've got fantasy football being popular, now i got to get punters included in fantasy football. Go. I have a scoring system that you guys should do. And I, go for it. I, okay, so, so I think, by the way, the stats, the way stats are kept on punters is completely wrong anyways. For the pooch punts, because that directly affects your gross and your net average, that should be a percentage like a free throw. So whenever it's deemed a, a pooch punt, whether it's 50 and in, that should be a percentage. Like, hey, they went five out of five on pooch punts today. Then on the other side, that's when you should count calculate for yardage and average and everything like that they they bunch them all together and if you're on a team that has a great defense not a great offense you pin them one time the defense is going to keep them pinned you get the ball back you're kicking into a short field all day and the gross yardage punts aren't going to be big unless if you're on a team that's bad and you have a full field that changes everything so these are the things that i would like you to kind of take into your little fantasy football world and say hey we have a real legit scoring thing that we could add punters into this world and i'd be very very thankful for the brand I will. I will. Uh, as soon as we're as soon as we're done here, I will send an email to. Yeah, yeah! Maddie. Let's go. We will do that. Look, by the way, I mean, listen. So I'm a I'm a fan of the Washington professional football team. It's tough it. season for us. Tough. Uh, it's been a tough year, but we do have an amazing punter in Tressway, who I think is is one of the best in the NFL. Okay, so let's talk about the injuries that happen in the real world football. That affects deeply fantasy football because now you got to bench people, you got to redraft people, trade for people, whatever it is. Whenever, do you try to scout like the roster, like hey, who's potentially going to have a big day that we've never heard of? I assume that, just like you said, with value, that's a big deal. What are you thinking in the fantasy streets right now for this upcoming week with the loss of a lot of superstars? Yeah, it's always, look, we always say this very clearly, that fantasy success comes from two things. It comes from talent and opportunity. So, like, I do a show every Sunday uh, called Fantasy Football Now on ESPN2. Get a plug in there. And uh, and, do, and and so one of, one of the things I do is I do a long shot, right? And so my long shot, you guys will appreciate this as, as indie guys, my long shot last week was Mo Alley-Cox. Great week. I knew, I knew Mo Alley-Cox was like, this guy, you guys have a former basketball player. They like him a lot there with Jack Doyle banged up. No Trey Burton as well. I think Mo Alley-Cox, especially when you think about where Rivers throws the ball, should have a nice game. So this was this is my long shot last week, obviously, five for over 100 last week. Is that good? Oh, I, <laughs> I don't know. Is that good? Call that one. Yeah. So, so what yeah. you do is, so okay, so it's talent plus opportunity. So who's going to get an opportunity this week? Like, there's a guy named Mike Davis, right, oh. who was a very popular waiver wire pickup this week. Chris McCaffrey's out for at least three weeks. He was just placed on IR earlier today. Mike Davis is a very good pass-catching running back. I believe he had eight receptions last week. Like, whether it's been in Seattle or Chicago, when he's gotten an opportunity, he has produced. Oh. He's caught a lot of passes. And then you think about Teddy Bridgewater, who, since he came into the NFL, of the 39 quarterbacks that are qualified uh, since Bridgewater came to the NFL, he's 37th in average depth of target. That's a nerdy stat that basically says he throws short. He does what you look when you watch him and you go like, okay, that's a dink and dunker, right? So that's just a number that tells you that. And so what's he going to do? He's going to throw to his running back, obviously. And so that's a team that's going to be down a lot. They don't have a particularly good defense. They're going to be throwing. They're throwing to the running back, obviously, because McCaffrey's out. So Mike Davis is somebody that I think is going to be wasn't on people's radars seven days ago, and it's going to be a top 20 fantasy running back this weekend. Wow. Call your shot. Matthew, what do you tell people that. That, that jumped out early and drafted a guy like Gronk? He hasn't got going yet early. Do you look ahead to the future like, of their schedule and say, okay, these today. are some matchups where I think worse. we could get him going. This is where you should start, Gronk? No. I mean, we actually recommended uh, – I 
I do a podcast with Field Yates every single day on ESPN. We talked about this that we feel like you are you should unfortunately drop Ron, Rob Gronkowski. Like what? no one loves Rob. Oh, 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 you said oh, like you guys hate him more than Bruce Arians. Oh, give the guy a chance, man. No, here's what here's what it is. The concern is we talk about talent opportunity. Well, we know the talent of Gronk. Pat, I think you and I actually met for the first time. You and I met. I think you and I actually met mm-hmm. at an event with Gronk at, at Stadium many years ago. Yeah. And, um, and but so I love Gronk. Love, but the guy has two targets through two games. I mean, look, we expect that Tampa Bay a passing offense to be better. They'll get Godwin back this week, but he, he's not even at the moment the best tight end on his team. OJ Howard's been more productive here, Whoa. and and so you know. We know the talent, but he's just not getting the opportunity, and you don't want to be too slow to react. You want to say, like, hey, he's a big name, and I'm going to wait it out when there are younger players that have produced, guys like Jonu Smith, guys like Logan Thomas in Washington. Mike Gesicki is available in over 50% of ESPN leagues in Miami, and he's going to be a big target monster as well. So, unfortunately, I, I, I do. I'm a believer in the Tampa Bay offense. I believe it gets better. I'm not sure Gronk is going to be a massive part of that. Let's talk target monsters. Uh, Darren Waller, did you expect him to be anywhere near what he is? He is the guy for that Oakland Raiders offense because whenever he starts getting the rock, then they got to change the defense, then they hit him with the run game. I mean, that guy is probably a surprise to everybody, but did fantasy people know he was coming? Uh, they did if they listened to me. That was one of my better Very Very cool. Look, I get plenty of stuff wrong. I might make no mistake, right? But last year... Uh, Darren Waller was one of my big preseason favorites. Uh, we we actually had Greg Olson, the offense coordinator of the of, of the at the time the Oakland Raiders on our podcast at the combine last February. So this was last February uh, in 2019, and we asked him for a sleeper, and they still had Jared Cook on their roster, and he said we have this kid, Darren Waller, for, converted wide receiver out of Georgia Tech. Uh, we got him from Baltimore. We think we have something with him. And I don't know what it's going to translate, but we think we have something on him. We think we have something with him. And so we talked about that. And throughout the offseason all last year, Darren Waller was a deep sleeper for me, did more research on him, realized how the uh, Raiders were going to use their offense, and obviously he produced. He's a great story, by the way. I don't know if you know his personal story, but he's a great story of redemption as well. Easy guy to root for. Uh, hey, Mr. Barry, Aaron Rodgers versus New Orleans or uh, Cam <laughs> Newton versus the, uh, the Raiders? What do you think? I like both guys. I have both guys oh. in my top ten, but I'm going with Cam Newton. Yeah! <laughs> and is uh, George Kittle playing? He's starting in my league. Raiders are the worst defense. I don't think George Kittle is, I don't think George Kittle is playing. Oh. They're, the 49ers have come out and said, like, too. Uh, they're highly worried about the, about the turf at MetLife Stadium. You know what I mean? Because they were there last week with the Jets, and they obviously had a lot of injuries. And so uh, he's not a practice today. Kittle isn't. And I, reading the tea, reading between the lines and seeing the tea leaves, it doesn't feel like Kittle's going to play this week. Feel like he'll be back in week four. Hey Matthew, do you have like do you have sources like a guy? I know Schefter was on the show today earlier. Do you have sources like him that you can reach out to? I would imagine injury concerns are a huge deal when it comes to fantasy that you need to keep up with as the week goes. I do. I, I do have sources. I definitely have players and coaches and front office personnel around the league that I text. Ooh. But I'll be honest, some of my sources are Adam Schefter. Like, oh, <laughs> like oh, I, you know, just no one's going to have a better source than Shefty. So sometimes I will just text. If I know Shefty has a good source in a situation, I'll just text Shefty and I'll be like, hey, when you're talking to so-and-so, can you also ask him about this for me? And I'll do that with like 
any of our NFL insiders, whether it's whether it's Shefty, whether it's Mort, whether it's Field Yates, Jeff Darlington, uh, Kimberly Martin, you name it, uh, any of our Dan Graziano. We got a lot of guys that oh, uh, do a great job for us. A lot of people that do a great job. So, so that's honestly a lot of times I'll just take advantage of uh, who's in house, uh, so that we're not, so that three people aren't blowing up the same coach's phone. You know, I didn't know Maziano was an insider. I had no idea. I thought he was just a uh, like a uh, panelist, like yeah. a pundit or whatever. What's up, Nick? Uh, Mr. Mary- Young, uh, uh, a great reporter and a great insider. He often breaks stories. Yeah, uh, Maziano. Yeah. 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 Go ahead, Nick. Mr. Barry, what's the worst fantasy football losers punishment you've oh, ever seen? Oh yeah, we had a good one out here. Got uh, the worst one. I mean, um, the worst one or the worst best one? Because the worst one, second, the worst is you know we've we've all heard about the tattoo leagues, all the guys that get tattoos and the tattoos chosen by the winner of the league. I got sent one where the guy had to get a brand, like you know how you brand Mm. cattle. You know, oh we do. Like he literally got branded loser. Like I mean, like I was just like, oh my god, that's. Insanely painful. Like you, oh, yeah, like, it's not ow. great. It's <laughs> not great. Um, <laughs> before you made fantasy football popular amongst uh, the masses, the old saying yeah. from uh, GMs would be like, "Well, they're playing fantasy. We're playing real life." Like it was kind of like something that a lot of GMs and people in NFL actually kind of buried. Then fantasy football kind of took off, and it, you you helped with that entire process. Had, do you know of any big-time fantasy – I guess you would be the person that would do it – who's made the transition from fantasy football to real-life scout or anything in that? Or is it two very different operations and there's no reason to compare anybody? Yeah, I mean, listen, there are definitely people that dabble in both. Um, you know, I know, like, like you know, my friend Warren Sharp. Like, Warren Sharp dabbles in fantasy football, and he'll also consult for some NFL teams. So there's certainly people that um, that do some uh, deep-dive analytical stuff that, you know, re- uh, resonates with fantasy players, but that also have a relationship with the NFL. But it's been slow. Uh, we've seen it more in, like, fantasy baseball. There have legit been fantasy baseball people that have then been hired to front office positions in in Major League Baseball. Are you expecting that in the NFL, yeah? Yeah, maybe at some point. feels like the NFL is slowly starting to come around to analytics. Um, The analytics in football aren't great when it compared to other sports like basketball or baseball in terms of, you know, um, there's still a lot of work to be done, I I should say, I guess, in analytics in football. So uh, maybe at some point, but um, probably not in the near future. But aren't you guys all doing the same thing, really? Aren't you, aren't you trying to evaluate talent and see how they'll do, like, at the next level? Let's say you're not a college kid, but if you're trying to say, do I need to should I draft this rookie in my fantasy draft, you go back, watch some of this college tape, see how that translates. Is he going to be in the lineup week one? Like, aren't you guys all doing the same thing, kind of? Somewhat. Although, I mean, listen, the, the, the example I always give is, is this is going to sound weird, but, like, Troy Aikman. Like, Troy Aikman, obviously, Hall of Fame NFL quarterback, was a terrible fantasy quarterback. Because he didn't throw touchdown passes. He handed off to Emmett whenever hey, they got Hey, right? I'm a and Troy so, guy. <laughs> Take it easy over here. <laughs> so I'm just saying, like, what we look for in fantasy football isn't necessarily always what – you're looking for certain things. You're looking for, like – like, I mean, I think both pro scouts and fantasy scouts, we were all in on Jonathan Taylor, right? We all – we all thought he would be very successful in the NFL and a very f- successful fantasy running back. So sometimes they, they marry each other and you're looking for skill, but other times there are players that aren't <laughs> maybe great NFL players, but are good fantasy players just because of the situation and the, the offense they're in. I mean, like 
Blake Bortles, Blake Bortles is, has two different seasons as a top 10 fantasy quarterback in his resume, Great right? Player. Because Always behind the Jacksonville would get down baby. and they would just throw junk time, junk time, junk time. And he would lose, he would, he would lose games, you know, 45 to 28, but he'd have four touchdown passes. Uh, I mean, Jameis Winston last year during his 30 interception season that caused him to become a backup was the fifth best quarterback in fantasy last year. James was so what we look for sometimes doesn't relate to what you know NFL scouts are looking for. Last question for you here, Matthew. We can't thank you enough for your big old brain and your time here. Hey, Mr. Barry, uh, from the YouTube chat, uh, who do you think is the greatest fantasy football player of all time? Uh, probably LaDainian Tomlinson. Yep. I mean, just because of the position he played and the consistency he had for so many years, you know, there was like six or seven years there where he was just like the number one guy all time. There's a lot of quarterbacks. You can make an argument for Peyton. You can make an argument for Brady. Um, You know, Jackson Mahomes are are certainly on their way. But uh, uh, for me, I'm going to go with LaDainian Tomlinson. Matthew Barry, we can't thank you enough. We love your podcast you do daily with Field Yates named... Fantasy Focus Football, available wherever you get podcasts. Triple F's for sure. Our friend who made fantasy football popular with the masses, ladies and gentlemen, Matthew Barry. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate you. You know, we don't need him. Diggs, Diggs. Diggs. I didn't mean the fucking sit down. Tony Barry Diggs. Yeah, Tony Barry Barry there a couple times. I I mean, unbelievable. Twice, by the way. Twice. Back to back. Back to back. Just halfway through the guy's sentence. Yeah, we're done with you, Matthew. I got that. Don't need you, actually. We've got 10 Diggs over here, actually. Fantasy football Uh, expert. Just ask me. (laughs) Jesus. I will say, though, my team got a lot better. Cam Newton, you're taking for sure. Yes. Yeah. George Kill. I assume he gets asked a lot of the. By the way, any question you have for Matthew Barry, direct at Tone Diggs. Yeah, <laughs> he'll know. <laughs> Funny thing about it's that. not true. <laughs> I bet you that guy takes a lot of oh. hell, though, if he gets anything wrong. Fantasy football people take very – I mean, the branding. Nick had to do a beer mile. Then he had oh. to chug a beer like for four field he goals. Everywhere. And he puked everywhere. It is. I've never got into it because it's a lot of time. you got to invest a lot of time into that. But, man, it is insanity in that world over there. Are they lot- still doing – are these leagues still doing the crazy punishments for oh, whoever yeah. gets last yeah. place? No. Not all of them. It's a goddamn gimmick. I mean, it is. It is. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to, like, if I was in a league with 20 other people and I got, and they said, hey, if you're last place, you got to get a brand that says loser. I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. Sounds good. And if I was 20th place, I'd say, sorry, bud. This is not that serious. Well, I you can't play next year then. Yeah. You can't play next you're year, out. AJ. Not, AJ. I'll choose one of the other six billion leagues to join. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's the show. Big thanks to all of our guests for stopping by. I mean, can't thank them enough. Can't thank you enough for listening to the show. From all of us to all of you, we know you could let anything penetrate your ear holes. The fact that you allow us to do that, we are eternally grateful for. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, once again, please be a friend, tell a friend, subscribe, rate, review, all that shit. If you did not enjoy the show, just act like it never happened. All right, Ty, please play some independent music. We'll see you manana for a thirsty Thursday Pat McAfee Show 2.0.